Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. Sitting next to me is my handsome co-host, Scott. Extremely handsome. Why didn't you mention that part? Well, he, he will oh, if I don't. I'm the only judge of that. Sorry. <laughs> Today, we have a really special guest. Her name is Misty Stevenson. She has spent 23 years living an abundant and productive life, yet simultaneously living in an invisible prison, a prison of OCD. It nearly completely robbed her of her joy and peace. She is going to take us on that journey and what has led her to writing a best-selling book uh, entitled, He Delivered Even Me, He Will Deliver Even You, A Spiritual Journey of Healing from Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. So welcome, Misty, to Life in 22 Minutes. Thank you. So let's just dive right in. We only have 22 minutes. Okay. Start us back on our our journey. Take us back to when you were a young girl. Okay. Um, When I was really young, life was just normal. Lots of fun. My mom was really good at fun. Still is really good at fun. Kind of a grown-up kid. Um, We had a little bit of turmoil in my home still, just like most homes. You know, a little bit of fighting or um, unsurety that really took my peace, started to take my peace away around sixth grade. And I didn't know what was happening, but OCD came kind of bursting into my life. And I really didn't even know I had OCD until I was 26 and saw my list of symptoms on a list of OCD symptoms. Wow. Because what it was some of those symptoms. Well, you know how most people think OCD is keeping your house super, super clean mm-hmm. or um, washing your hands, you know, a lot till they bleed. Some people do that, but OCD I learned can be anything the brain wants to grab a hold of. If you have a lot of anxiety in your life your brain wants to know why. And so it just grabs onto something. Um, one of my symptom was blinking, hyper aware of blinking and my body parts is it's just weird. And I, I know it's weird. I had one guy kind of laugh at me once and I'm like, no, that's, that's real. That really happened. So what happened for me was my best friend was moving in a year. Um, I was about to go to junior high and I was really scared. I'd heard all these kinds of horrible stories. My parents had sat us down and said they were going to get a divorce, but they thankfully didn't end up doing so. But all my dad hadn't had a job for about a year, just a lot of stress building up in the family. That magical childhood was starting to kind of dissipate into this uncertainty. And you guys live close here to Provo, BYU. I was performing. I was a dancer all growing up and about to perform at the Stadium of Fire. And back then it was called the Osmond Show. But in between our big, long, hot practices, I went back to the hotel room and tried to take a nap by my dad. And my eyes just wouldn't close. They kept going open and wouldn't close. And I thought, what's wrong with me? And I knew that my aunt had OCD and depression. And I'd heard people, family members talk about her almost in a scary way for me. My mom had told me just a few months before that, that she had her mind over and over and over was thinking of stabbing children. Wow. And for a 10-year-old, I thought, how can that happen? And then just the night before, that aunt, who was also my dance teacher, I was telling her how I like to hold full towels, and she says, you remind me of me, which 
couldn't have been the worst thing for me to hear. Um, in my family, there was a lot of perfectionism. I one not blatant thing that was taught, but it was an undercurrent that I didn't really even understand at the time was you're only as good as um, other people think you are. And since I had heard some negative things about my aunt, and then she said, I was just like her and all the stress in my life, it builds up in my brain said, why are you having all this stress? So again, back to where I tried to close my eyes and go to sleep and it kept going open, you know, kept going open. And then I felt for the first time was this anxiety. So, so this OCD of, was it, was it, uh, through the folding of the towels? Is it the way you folded them, the way everything had to be perfect? Do you or? know what? I think that's how my aunt interpreted it that, you know, I had to be perfect on how I, f- I would think it was like a game. I can't even remember what I told her mm-hmm. to be honest. I just remember her telling me that you're just like me. And that right. just really, really terrified me. Because and you'd heard that she, she has she this over, overwhelming yes. thought of stabbing kids. Yes. And right. isn't that just a hard thing to hear at age 11? Right. So I didn't know brains could do that. And when in, all of a sudden I felt like I had no control over my brain for that minute. And I didn't feel like I had anyone to tell. I did not want anyone to correlate me with craziness, right? right? And so for all for the next two weeks, it just kept getting worse and worse, where every time I try and pray to God, I would just ha- have to put my fists over my eyes. So that'd be like the compulsive part of OCD. And then it turned into blinking and watching TV. I just didn't have peace. Everywhere I went, I was just reminded that um, something was different with me than other people. And I felt scared and lonely and weird and, and then starting into sixth grade, it just got worse and worse and worse because I didn't dare. I actually tried to tell my mom and my mom doesn't remember this, but I remember after two weeks, just trying to get her to, to understand. And actually what she said was, well, quit dwelling on it. I don't have the money to take you to a psychologist. Oh, wow. And she didn't, I feel bad even repeating that for her sake. Cause as a mom, we say things all the time that we just don't know what we're saying, but it, for me, it meant you're flawed. And don't say anything else. And so for years, it just it got worse and worse. Like everything in my body became an enemy to my brain. It's kind of like Tourette's of the brain, of the body in the brain. So my tongue in my mouth, writing, walking, sitting, it was like restless leg syndrome kind of too, where mm. everything I was really hyper aware. See, because I, I, there was a test on uh, Facebook not too long ago that I saw. It was an OCD test. And it showed somebody cutting a cake. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. And so they take this cake, they cut one that was off center, and then they cut another piece off that was even further off center. And I was wigging out. I I was watching (laughs) it, and I'm like, ah, I can't handle that. But when I go to the bank and they hand me back my change, if they count out the bills and some of them are heads up and some are tails up, Mm -hmm. that drives me crazy. (laughs) It has to all be heads up. And, And so that's what I consider the OCD. You're taking it to a different level. Well, it's yes. OCD is on a continuum, I've learned. We all have little bits of OCD. And it just depends on if it's debilitating in our mind or not. Yeah, it just can be. I did, that's why I didn't know I really had OCD because I wasn't like that at all. My mom wouldn't keep garbage in her garbage cans. She has the cleanest house you've ever seen on the planet. So, you know, I think maybe some of that manifests for her really clean. It's just a lot in our family. We have a lot of anxiety um, mm-hmm. issues, um, depression issues, and OCD issues. So when did you put a name to it and... Where and how did you seek help? So I was 26 and I remembered an old friend who had taken a daughter to a lady who was specialized in OCD. And I thought, well, maybe I do have OCD. So I went to her and then when I saw the list, I mean, the list was crazy long. I can only remember one other one on there, which was 
people who keep swallowing their saliva over and over and over again. So again, it's kind of like Tourette's, Mm -hmm. you know, but one was blinking, being hyper aware of blinking. And I thought it was such a relief. There is a name to my craziness. (laughs) (laughs) And so having a name was just really awesome for me at first. But then I thought, well, I don't know again what to do with this. I didn't think even God could help me. And I had a lot of faith for a little girl. That's thankfully I did have a lot of faith, but I thought, how can he erase my memory how can he help me start over again? Because it would infiltrate my life. So what actually happened was I had been reading something of the LDS church had said a long time ago, prophet, actually Joseph Smith. And he had said that basically those who are healthy tend to be able to serve God better. And I thought, oh, this isn't just a badge of honor of being this trial that, you know, someday in heaven, they'll be like, I can't believe you dealt with this. You're so awesome. And you smiled and you lived life. In fact, it it was the first time I thought I need to get better. If I really want to serve God, I need to get better. I felt like I should get better. Um, So I finally uh, went to see a therapist that really helped me. I'd went to others that said, you know, you're fine. Just flick your wrist with an elastic band. Every time you have one of those thoughts, I'm like, this is not working. (laughs) So I, ironically, it was a relationship, a family therapist that really helped me a lot. And I went to her a lot two hours a week, sometimes twice a week, two hours a week. And I did my homework. So that's one thing I would tell other people. Don't just go and complain to a therapist, but do your homework. And what we keep saying OCD, and there may be some that are thinking, okay, I've heard that my whole life, but I don't know what that means. So it's obsessive compulsive disorder. And the thing most people don't understand, um, but if you think about, have you ever watched a news story that really bothered you? And maybe you couldn't sleep. You just kind of felt that sick, um, sick to your stomach feeling. And then it just dissipate, dissipated and went away. That's a healthy brain. But someone who has OCD, I just, it's not who they are. It's their organ, their brain. It puts it on repeat mode. And it can come out of the blue at any time. So you could be having, you could be Christmas. It could be a vacation. You could be having a beautiful baby. Um, and in your mind, that stress, even if it's good stress, will bring out that old quote, news story and put it on repeat where you can't get it out. And then it causes more anxiety. And then sometimes that anxiety gets so high that you feel depressed about it. And then you can climb out of it. I had a wonderful life still dealing with this, but it was at the same time, um, never safe. Were you feeling like you were always holding a secret? Always. Yeah. Lonely holding a secret. If I did try and tell someone, no one knew what to do with it. Even I didn't know what to do with it. And so I just learned to not So I didn't even tell my husband until we were married like about a year and a half. And he said the best thing to me could have said, kind of like you did with the dollar bills thing, you know, Mm -hmm. you normalize something for you. And he just said, I remember being a kid and laying in bed, itching one side of my nose and then thought, well, now I have to itch the other side and (laughs) back and forth. So it made me think, okay, I am not so crazy weird as I think, but over time it just did, it took so much time to heal. I remember starting and the therapist saying, you can do this, but they say it takes about seven years of retraining your brain. And, and it did, ironically, it took about seven years, but I thought at the time, seven years versus a lifetime, I'll take that. So, and it actually felt good to go to therapy and think I'm finally doing something about this. I had had it for about 18 years before I finally said, okay, I've had an, I hit rock bottom actually is what happened. And I said, okay, I've had enough. I want to be better. Want to be better. So how's your life with your aunt? <laughs> All right. I don't, she lives in another town and she's so sweet. And when I see her, she hugs me and 
but I think it's hard. It's hard that I, you know, exposed the secret, I guess it wasn't a secret for her, but it, it was hard. It was hard on the whole family really for me to share this story. Talking about the elephant in the room. Yeah. But she didn't say anything that would have seemed weird to, to most situations. She just says, you remind my, you mm-hmm. remind, remind me of myself. Yeah. That's, that's just so normal. Um, I know. but it, it was a huge trigger for you. So how did you get through that? Did you ever confront that with her? Have you no. ever had that conversation? No, there's so many things in life, even being healed from, from the OCD, which I am now and been such a blessing. I feel like now I'm healing and mending and learning to love in deeper ways that I just either didn't have the mental capacity for at that time. And it's just time now. So no, I'll have to, and I'll get back with you on that. <laughs> Cause, Cause I'm just thinking it's probably come out in the books. Yeah. I don't think a lot of my mom's family has read the book. What, are, yeah. what were some of the steps in leading you to that healing through those seven years? So like I said, I did the therapy and then after uh, four years of that therapy, she looked at me and she said, I think, you know, everything I do. So she kind of fired me. <laughs> but during that time I would keep thought journals and I'm sure you've heard of that. So I, I would start to feel OCD symptoms coming up and I'd be like, I had to think, why am I doing that? It's usually cause I'm avoiding another stress in my life. So then I have to go, oh, okay, because I don't want to, I don't know what it could be. Maybe I felt bad for disciplining my kid too harsh or something. I don't know. So then I'd have to write down, yes, you know, I yelled at Jaron or I put him in timeout or whatever. And, and then I'd write the positive or the real thing is my job not to yell. I'll try better, you know, but he needs to know that there's boundaries and I did a good thing. So I had to kind of... Re- lessen the anxiety through cognitive therapy. And then after her, I really wanted to be healed. And I one day had, I've had some really spiritual experiences, but one in particular was, I felt like it was time. I wanted to be healed. And I wanted, um, in our church, we believe in priesthood blessings and blessings. And so I told my, asked my husband and another leader to give me a blessing and they gave me a blessing. And in that blessing, it was a very spiritual experience where he said, now's not the time, but you will in the not too distant future. So he, but he said, you'll meet a sister that will be a strength to you such as you have never known. So for the next nine months, I kind of worried and thought, who is this sister? And, um, I actually was led to a person who does energy work, which energy work, I still don't understand. And it was weird. And I don't know if I would have went forward with any of it had I not had that in my blessing. And I still think it's strange, (laughs) but it did help me feel a little lighter every time I left there. But that's not what healed me. I believe it was faith in God, ultimately. Uh, One day I felt like I finally had this, um, I was meditating. And in my mind just came, you now have the gift of faith to be healed. Every time I prayed about it, I really felt peace in my heart that it was that I did have that gift of faith to be healed. And then I went forward with another priesthood blessing and was healed. But... (laughs) That's there's not a but the in here. There's, there's a but, huh? Well, I, I need to clarify one thing also, is that in your faith, a sister is a, is a female. It's not necessarily your My sibling. Oh, thank you. I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that we were just talking about another female, right, when you're saying that? Yes, another female. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. So, no, I just wish, I know we just don't have a lot of time here, but my story's kind of linked, but for me... After that blessing, I knew I had been healed of the physical something in my brain, right? But it wasn't like a broken arm that was then fixed. 
So then I had to have faith (laughs) in that healing, if that makes sense, because I started getting scared. Oh, I just noticed myself blinking. Oh, I just noticed my tongue in my mouth or whatever it was that would take my attention away. And it was to say it was just hard would be a really understatement, big understatement. So from there, I really did use energy work, just different techniques that this lady helped me with. And over time, I started feeling so much stronger and doing things that most people would just think is normal. But if you have any, any kind of emotional weight you're carrying around, you, it's harder to do, you know, go snowboarding or, or church. Um, it was hard for me at times just sitting there and having my mind run. And I was just noticing those things started getting easier and easier and easier. But ultimately there, it was again, a very spiritual experience where I had that. I just was told that, you know, I'd done enough. And that the Savior, through his atonement, would take care of the rest. And it was from that time forward I started feeling free. And it was, it's been beautiful. What advice would you have for someone that's listening that thinks, oh, so I don't have enough faith. I've been, I, mm. I pray, I do this, <laughs> I do that. And, and I'm praying to be healed. And um, what? Mm. He loves you more. You have more faith. Why, mm. why am I lacking? And then they're, they're beating themselves up. Yeah. So well, I would how do say you have enough faith. Well, the first thing that came to mind in answer to that question was, is two things. One is it's just, no, it's not you. It is not you who you really are. Your spirit, who you are, you are perfect. It is a brain. It might be experiences. It might be trauma. It's an, your brain is an organ. And we have to treat it like that sometimes. So that would be number one. Number two is be really patient with yourself. And I love the story of Abraham because he was told that he could have children. And he was how old? A hundred. I don't know how old they were before they did. But I love in Romans it said that Abraham hoped against hope. And that's what I would say we have to do. And there were times I didn't hope. I despaired. I would be sobbing in the corner. I would just, I wasn't perfect through this process. It was hard work to have faith over fear. And so every time you fear, I would just say, it's okay. (laughs) It's a scary thing, but pick yourself up and and try again and just keep doing that. Just keep trying. I know you've all heard the story or the quote that says it will all be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end yet or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I know that even if we aren't totally healed of something in this life, that we can find joy in it and we can become better at it. We can cope better. And even me, I've been healed. I know I have, I've had this newness of life, but every once in a great, great while when I'm under extreme stress, some of the hyper awareness will come back and I'll be like, ah, and then as soon as the stress goes away, it's gone. So it's a different animal than it ever used to be. So be patient and just hope against hope. Yeah, we had a Dr. Russ Gady uh, just recently on the show, and he has Tourette, and he spoke a lot of that. And it's not that he was healed of it. It's that he's learned how to adjust and how to live. Because I think you mentioned earlier that, uh, something about being normal. I, I think that's what we all just want to be normal. And, and what really is normal? I know. And that's what I found out, too. I mean, I... Um, after, so right after I was healed, I felt like singing these pra- I never. I'm not a singer, dancer, <laughs> but... I really, for the first time, understood a little bit of what it would, like you wanted, I wanted to be an angel at the throne of God singing his praises. I felt relief that I had never felt before. And I knew it was because of him. But the thing that kind of surprised me more than anything is, quote, normal people 
have big problems too. And so I, I recognize that, yes, that thing in my life is better, but life is still hard and I'm still seeking normal for other in other areas of life. So we're all normal and we're all normally weird. Maybe that's what we yeah. need to know. Normal, normally unique. <laughs> no, we're all normally unique. That's yeah. a better, happier way. Right? <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> imperfect. Perfectly imperfect. <laughs> yeah. We all seek for joy each day and there is beauty and joy all around us. And it's, it's learning to, to see the good in every person and in every situation and, and to see the good in yourself and not be hard on yourself. And I loved how you, you mentioned um, acknowledging in your emotions when something comes up, like the mindfulness of just mm-hmm. acknowledging what's happening mm-hmm. and then moving forward, learning yeah. those tools and in, in such to be able to move forward. I think, yes, yeah, separating it from who you are as just a thing. <laughs> not you, a thought, you know, even if it is a really scary thought, even if it is thinking of something horrific, that that's just not you. And you can, it gives you more power to kind of set it aside. Well, Misty, thank you so much for joining us on life in 22 minutes. How can our audience connect with you and how can they find your book? So you can connect with me on Facebook. You could message me there or my book is at deseretbook.com or Amazon, or Nook, or Kindle, or you can message me on Facebook, and it's Misty Stevenson Author, and it's Misty with an I, M-I-S-T-I, and Stevenson with the V. And if you go to our show notes on lifein22minutes.com, I will have the links to connect with her on Facebook and on to be able to order her book on Amazon and Desert Book. So thank you, Misty. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, Tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.